Today's reading is from Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 29. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. This is the word of the Lord. I'm thinking about gardening these days. I have a backyard that needs a lot of work. Um, there's no shade. It gets full sun. Is that good? I don't... Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, um, I, I know that mulch is a thing, um, and, and, and topsoil, what goes where? Do I need to buy a truck? How, do, how, does, this, how does this get to my backyard? Um, I don't know anything. Are there any, any, any gardeners in the room here? Any, can, can I see your hands? I see Randall, I see you, MJ, yes, Wendy, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, in, in the back, yep. Um, okay. I know one thing's for sure, though, is that for me, it, it, um, the good news is that it should be easy to improve, um, in my case, with the kind of baseline that I'm starting with here on this topic. We're thinking about growth in our church as well right now. Um, we're looking at passages in the Bible that have plants in them, plants and growing things. How often does the Word of God use images of of, of plants and uh, stories with, with plants in them to teach us things, to teach the people of God things about spiritual truth. Uh, turns out very often, and uh, we're looking at a number of these passages over these weeks together in the sermon series, we want to be a church that grows. But what is growth? How does growth happen? And it seemed like a good idea to look at growing things in the Bible together. And so today we have another of these passages, and we're looking at this parable that um, Jesus gives us in the Gospel of Mark. Two surprising things about, about growth that we see here. The first is that growth is mysterious. In the kingdom of God, growth is mysterious. The second, growth is automatic. Growth is mysterious, growth is automatic. The first one. Look at verse 26. Jesus, of course, he's talking about the kingdom of God. and In fact, this is what Jesus is always talking about in the Gospel of Mark. The first words out of his mouth in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus Christ says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the Gospel. And from that moment, what you see afterwards is scene after scene. You, you, you see Jesus heal people with diseases and cast out demons and teach the truth, true religion, and forgive sins and, and, and call the, the moral outcast from, the, from the, the margins into the center, close to him. All those episodes are showing you what the kingdom of God is. It is the reign of God that is breaking into a dark and broken world. It is the light that's shining in Jesus Christ himself. Now, then, in this chapter, Mark chapter 4, there's a string of parables that, that show you 
how the kingdom of God grows. How does it grow? How does it spread? How does it expand? This is what the kingdom of God is like, Jesus says, verse 26. And now, what would you expect the kingdom of God to be like? We, we, we might, might expect the kingdom of God is like Buckingham Palace. Or maybe the, the kingdom of God is like Alexander the Great, you know, leading his army as they dominate and conquest. No, it actually, it turns out the kingdom of God is like a man wearing overalls and rubber boots who walks out to a field, reaches into a bag, and scatters the seeds. That's what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Many years ago, I was growing up in Markham, and uh, in, in October, we would carve pumpkins, of course. And I had four siblings, excuse me, three siblings. There were four of us total. Um, there were that many of us, exactly. Um, <laughs> and so we had four pumpkins to carve. Now, what, what do you do with the pumpkins? Of course, you, you cut off the top, right? Now then what? You've got to scoop out the insides. And it's full of seeds and full of slime. So you take the ice cream scoop or, 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 or whatever, or your bare hands, and you, <laughs> and you scrape it out. And now you've got like a bucket full of this stuff. Four pumpkins worth in my household. And um, so what we did with that was we threw it in the backyard in the compost. Dumped it, all the seeds, all the slime, back there. And finished carving our pumpkins, put the candles in there, put them on the patio, and away you go. Halloween comes and Halloween goes by. Months go by. The winter goes by. And then, in the middle of spring, in our backyard, we had a pumpkin patch. Not one pumpkin, we had a whole bunch of pumpkins growing on this, this big vine that was spreading. If we didn't kind of fight it back, it would <laughs> cover the backyard. Um, and we didn't plan for it. We didn't try hard to make that happen. We just threw the seeds back there and forgot about them. And that's what happened. A lot of pumpkins. Um, now that's what you see in this, in this parable, that, that kind of dynamic. Jesus tells this parable in such a way to totally de-emphasize the human action and the, the human responsibility for what happens. The only thing the farmer does here is scatter the seeds. That's it. There's no plowing. There's no tilling. There's no weeding. He's not straining. He, he, he sleeps. What's he doing? He sleeps and rises night and day. He's doing other things. And the seed grows. He just scatters the seed and leaves them alone. And the seeds grow with a mysterious growth. Uh, it's mysterious because the farmer has uh, no understanding of, of how they grow. He doesn't know what makes the seeds sprout up and grow. He just knows that this is what happens. I throw the seeds, the plants come up. That's how this works. That's what seeds do. The farmer is not anxious. He's not, he's not exhausting himself. He's not studying the almanac. He hasn't timed the weather and the season. He doesn't build irrigation 
Um, his role is the opposite of complicated and difficult. Um, this, the seeds grow by their own power. Now, what does this mean for us as Grace West? Okay, as we keep this parable in mind, how would it shape our thinking about growth? And I think it would mean that when we think about growth as a church, that we also should de-emphasize the human action like this parable does. If you could interview the farmer, you might ask, how did you make the seeds grow? And he would just stare at you for a few moments and say, I didn't make them grow. I just threw them on the ground. The truth is that, that to, to grow the seeds is totally beyond his ability or even his understanding. It's mysterious. Now, I'm a pastor here with Kiernan. And with Gen CO, the three of us are the staff team on this church. Um, and we have small group leaders. We have 15 small group leaders. You know who you are. Uh, and we have elder candidates in training, and we have musicians who lead, and we have, um, I, I counted this, 24 uh, people who serve in the kids' ministry. And you know who you are. We have a lot of people doing a lot of stuff in this church. We do. And a lot of times, things feel like busy and complex. I mean, maybe that's my own experience, mostly. I, I, I can speak for myself there, perhaps. Um, things feel busy. Things feel, feel um, in, intricate. There's a lot, a lot going on. But I'm struck, as I've sat with this parable over the past week, I'm struck that at a basic level, our role is not so complex when it, when it boils down. At a basic level, sow the seed. Sow the seed, and that means sow the word of the kingdom, the word of the king, Jesus Christ, Grace West. Let's let that be our ambition and our focus in, in the things that we do so that in our, in our Sunday worship, that's what we're focused on. In our small groups, in our kids' ministry, we're sowing the word. In our Sunday welcome connections team, we're welcoming people in so they can come and what? Hear the word of God. Sow the word. We sow the seed and then we, we look to God to do the thing that only God can do, namely grow the seed. Maybe you serve on a ministry here and you know what you have to do. You got certain responsibilities you know what you have to do. But consider this. How, how can you persuade someone to love Jesus more than their possessions? Or to love Jesus more than, than even their own life? How can you persuade a person that Jesus is wiser than they are and smarter than they are? And they should base their life on his teaching. How can you do that? How can you convince someone to forgive others as Jesus forgives? How can you convince them to forgive the person who's really wronged them? How can you make them do it? How? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know how to grow seeds either. I've watched time-lapse videos that show like their roots go down and, the, and they go out and the, it comes up. 
uh, like, okay, I kind of understand, but I, I have no idea how it happens. <laughs> I mean, I can read Wikipedia. I'm going to come out the other end. I had, had no idea, still no idea how it actually happens. And that's okay, because that's not my job to know how seeds or how human hearts grow in the gospel and in the kingdom. It's not my job. My job is to get up here and to sow the word about Jesus and in the kids' ministry and if you lead a small group and if you're an elder in training and if, and, 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 and all of our ministries, right? We're all together driving at this to sow the word of God. That's it. Grace West. Let's be the kind of church that knows it and that we can focus on doing one thing well. We can focus on this and let it be our ambition that this be a church where we sow the word of God and we look to God to give the growth as he alone can give the growth. Only he can do it. Second point, growth is automatic. Um, Look with me at verse 27. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And again, notice how Jesus de-emphasizes the human action. He doesn't even mention the farmer in this verse 28. He's not even there. It's just a natural process that unfolds on its own time. And that's the point. Again, it's to focus your attention on the organic process, the slow organic process. How do the seeds grow? The key word in verse 28, it grows by itself. Behind those English words is the Greek word automati. Can you hear the word automatic in there? Our, we thought this was an English word. It turns out automatic is a loan word that comes to us from Greek. Um, that's what it means. That, that's, that's where it comes from. The seed has an automatic power that does not depend on the farmer, and the growth is automatic. Nobody is sweating or straining. Not the seed, not the farmer. It just happens. Growth just happening, given the right circumstances, that is to say, growth is automatic. In the right soil. A couple years ago, um, I had the chance to to play in a worship um, team in a a friend's wedding. I got to play bass guitar in the the wedding ceremony for Susan and Andrew Dixon, um, who go to this church. And I love the bass guitar. I um, I don't I don't play that at Grace West, but I it's, this was like my first love of, of of an instrument. I played all through high school. My favorite band in high school was the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I dreamed of playing like Flea. <laughs> um, I wanted to grow as a as a bass player in that way, right? Um, and I made some progress to, to the point that I could I could play in a. On a, on a worship team um, in church and uh, that, that kind of thing. So I had a great time playing for Andrew and Susan's wedding. However, the recessional song, after the, you know, the, all the party, party time and, and everyone's happy clapping, the recessional song was Ain't No Mountain High Enough from Motown, okay? 
and the baseline was way too hard. I took one look at that chart, and I said, that's not happening. I can play like U2 style music, you know, doom, 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 okay, right on the tonic, nice, love it. I cannot play Motown hits, can't do it. So I did the only thing I could. I played auxiliary percussion. I played the tambourine uh, for the recessional with all my heart. I, I played. Now, a few months after that experience, um, this was o- October 2019. I was at another friend's wedding, Sarah and Mark Bamberger, who attend this church also. And I'm on the dance floor, but I'm not dancing because I'm staring at the bass player uh, in the wedding band, who's a young man. And I'm watching him rock this song, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. <laughs> and he, he, and I'm, 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 I'm like, this is it. This is the real thing. He's got his head back. He's got his eyes closed. And he, oh man, it, he, he's got a six-string bass, right? I play a four-string bass. He's got a six-string bass, and it, he's, he's, he's all up and down the fretboard, and it's technically perfect and full of soul. And Jess is beside me, and she says, no way, that's Anthony. That young man playing the bass on the stage, it turns out, uh, used to be a music student at her high school. Uh, And he's graduated uh, recently, obviously, by that time, and now he gigs with this awesome band. Um, They're killing it. They're amazing. And Jess said that he's, he's actually the kind of student where, like, as his music teacher, she didn't really teach him a whole lot. Um, because he grew up, because this is why, he grew up going to a Seventh-day Adventist church where they put a bass guitar in his hands, like in elementary school or younger. And he grew up around musicians And in the Seventh-day Adventist church, on the Sabbath, you can't do anything. It's very strict. But you can make songs to Jesus. You can groove to Jesus on the Sabbath, right? That's what he did all day on the Sabbath. Like, week after week, year after year, surrounded by musicians in this culture. Standing on the dance floor then, on that day, I'm watching him play the bass, and I realize this is what makes a great musician. What makes a great musician is a community with music in the air and music deep in the soul. Someone who grows up in that kind of community is going to, is going to become a musician. Um, it's almost inevitable. It's automatic. It's like so natural for that to happen for this young man. When it comes to growth in anything, in any field, any skill, I think that we really tend to, to, to way overestimate the individual. I think we have this tendency just to look at an individual who is skilled at something and, and, and like, wow, you know, they're so great at that, whatever. We tend to totally overlook the community that they came from, the community that formed them, that, that, that gave them those skills and, and shaped those abilities and gave them a, a platform to use them. 
um, the truth is, in, in, in a way that's far greater than we, we, we tend to think, it's a community that shapes people. It's a community that creates the right circumstances, the right soil, if you like, um, for, for a seed to grow, and to grow in a way that is natural. It's not forced, it's not exhausting, um, it's not anxious, it's natural, organic. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. Now, what would this mean for us as Grace West? How should we think about growth? And, and what does is, what is mature growth even look like? On the dance floor, I'm, 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 like, I'm like looking at a mature musician, like a strong musician, right? Now, what does mature growth in the kingdom of God then look like? Okay, the mature plant. About 10 years ago, there was a study on church discipleship. Um, an organization called Lifeway interviewed thousands of church members and pastors and, and global experts on discipleship. The goal was to get a sense of what is a disciple and what can churches do that will help make them, that will help grow them. Disciples of Jesus. So, what is a disciple? The study came up with a, a detailed list um, it's very detailed, so a quick sketch, just a few summary hi- highlights. A mature disciple is someone who relies on Jesus in a, like a posture of weakness, and they look to his strength. A disciple is someone who's learning to, 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 to turn away from self and from, from self-strength and self-focus and, and, and so on, and is turning to Jesus and relying upon his strength and his goodness. A disciple is someone who more and more is vulnerable in relationships, not, not putting their, their best foot forward all, all the time, not, 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 not like putting on a performance, but is actually vulnerable and, and is learning more and more to to rely on other people, to rely on a community. Those are a few qualities. Notice that mature growth in the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, is not like getting mastery over some skills, okay? That's very different from like the, the music example. Someone can be formed to become a great musician and impress everybody, but in the kingdom of God, Mature growth has got a lot more to do with growing in an awareness and, um, of your weakness, yes, and growing in reliance upon Jesus and his strength and reliance upon others, recognizing our need, our desperate need for Jesus and our need for others to be strong for us when we are not. That's what it looks like. That's the mature plant, if you like. Now, what causes that kind of that kind of growth? What are what are the what are the conditions for growth to happen that that would lead to that kind of discipleship? Um, out of thousands of interviews across years, the study identified top three conditions for growth. This is where growth happens. Here they are. Number one. Attending in-person worship services at your church. 
Number two, attending small classes or groups such as adult Sunday school, Bible study, and small groups. Number three, reading the Bible. Groundbreaking. I I was so struck by that. It's not, it's like surprisingly uncomplicated. You can fill volumes of, of, and and like bookshelves and libraries about discipleship and how to do it. And um, overwhelmingly, the data shows that that those three um, simple things, the more that individuals and the church as a whole are committed to those to those three things, and and like in an average month, how many how many times is it in Sunday? For for example, is it once, twice, three times, four plus times? Individuals who were interviewed who who like are higher in that or on small group or on Bible reading um, across the board. There there are higher metrics on the on the discipleship maturity very interesting so what causes growth the question do we do we grow ourselves no that's the first point we don't make ourselves grow we can't like force our hearts to change and grow now does that leave us with nothing to do no here's what to do the grace west we receive the seed. We receive it. And let God sow the seed into your heart. I don't know a lot about gardening, but I know that there's a thing that's like a bucket that's got wheels on it and a handle, and you put seeds into there. And you can drive that, you can push that thing back and forth across your lawn, and it's going to scatters seeds on your lawn. And here's what we need. <laughs> we need God to drive back and forth over our hearts with we need seeds. We need seeds scattered not once, not twice, many times, repeatedly, habitually, weekly, daily even. We need God to sow the seed of the gospel into our hearts. And praise God, that's his that's his will for us. That's his goodwill for us. So Grace West, let's receive the seed together. And growth will happen as we do that together. The growth, and it will be natural. It will be, in a sense, inevitable. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. So come to Sunday worship in person. Well, here we are. Um, Come in person. Come regularly. Make this a... If someone looks at your like annual calendar, um, let this be an obvious priority in the frequency. Come, come regularly and bring your heart like a bag of soil or topsoil or whatever. Bring your heart. Put yourself in a chair in this auditorium and let God sow the word into your heart. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the vine, and you are a branch grafted into him. Simply come on Sunday. Come often and receive the word of Christ. And join a small group. Whatever weeknight it is, bring your heart on that weeknight to that living room. Bring your heart like a bag of soil 
and let God sow the word into your heart. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. Your sins are forgiven, and he is making all things new and your life. He will change your life and your heart. Simply receive the word of God from your brothers and sisters in that living room. And read the word. I was struck by this. The study said it was not like necessarily people who memorized the word of God. It was not necessarily people who like study it intently. Those are great. Those are very good things to do. Um, I don't want to be heard otherwise. But this, the study was saying it was simply reading, <laughs> simply reading it, like letting it wash over you um, in the, how much time do you have for that in a, in a, in a given day? <laughs> um, 10 minutes, five minutes, I, however much time it is regularly receiving the word of God because you need it daily, friends. You need it daily. This once a week on Sunday is very important. Here we are and the sacraments are here. We need these things. We need them. But you need, you need more. You, yes, you do. For the things that you face daily, you need God to sow the seed into your heart. Open yourself up to this. It doesn't have to be something that, that seems daunting or difficult, like detailed, intense study. It's simply reading on a regular basis. Let God sow the word into your heart. Seeds like, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, lay down his life for you. Receive it. Receive the seeds into your heart and friends. So how can we grow as a church? Let's admit first that we cannot grow ourselves. We cannot. You cannot change your heart. I can't change even my own heart, let alone anyone else's heart here. I can't. Only God can. And growth is mysterious. We cannot force it. So what can we do? By God's grace, by his grace, we can scatter seeds. And by his grace, we can receive those seeds. We can be the kind of community that sows and, and receives among ourselves together. And it's a law of nature that seed sowing plus seed receiving leads to growth naturally. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. And we can do that by God's grace. We can do this together. Grace West, we will grow together. And we will bring a harvest of praise to God. Let's pray together. Our Father, we, we pray this morning that we will learn uh, from this short parable this truth, and lay it to heart that you are the one who does the complex, the mysterious, the, the brilliant work of growth in our hearts. And let us lay to heart, Father, this simple thing, this, um, and that it might be a priority in our church to sow the word, to sow it often, um, to sow it, Lord, in our, in our Sundays and in our small groups and in our, 
our, our, our kids' ministry and in the, in the conversations in the hallways and over our WhatsApp chat groups and, and um, in, in cafes and living rooms. Might we be a church community that sows the word of God? Help us, Father, to value this and to be faithful in doing it. And we thank you for this assurance that you, who began a good work in us, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And by your grace, there will be a great harvest of praise and of worship to you from this church. And that would be to your glory and to our joy. We ask these things in prayer because they're, they're beyond our strength apart from your strengthening us. And so we look to you and we thank you for this, this word. May it encourage our hearts this morning. Amen.